Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hooray! <laughs> Welcome oh, to Rugby Jubbly, the worst weekend ever in rugby, I think. Worst weekend, certainly in my rugby history. Not only England lost, uh, Saracens lost to to Ealing Trailfinders at home again. Terrible game, yes. But just to go through, so England played badly, Saracens played badly. My favourite premiership team, Bristol, went and lost to Sale. Um, Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, and then a, a team I'm very f- well, a team I'm very fond of, uh, Wasps. They lost, didn't they? Harlequins won. Who I and I hate Harlequins. Um, oh my god! It's everything. New- Exeter, who I've got a big chip on my shoulder about, went up to Newcastle and won. Everything went wrong oh, for me no. this weekend. Uh, I bet you had a few drinks. Oh, I had to watch the England oh, Scotland game yeah. again because I I, I I I was drinking. I accelerated the drinking. During that game. <laughs> I know that as the more tense you get, I must say, when the international games are on, the premiership goes out the window for me a bit. I just, I go, right, I can only focus on, I get so nervous and, and excited that yeah. I just can't concentrate on or appreciate any other game. So, yeah, no, we're not talking club. Club doesn't matter anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but in terms of our predictions, by know. the way, for this England Scotland oh, game, I said. Off. Miles off. Well, I said England by five points. It was Scotland by five points. So I'm still sort of right. You said about 20 points. Did I? Do you know what? Idiot. Just before the match, I actually made a note of this in my little notebook. Just before the match, everybody was talking up Scotland. And I went, this is dodgy. We're going to beat them by 20 now because we've talked up Scotland and that's what's going to happen. And I thought Cameron Redpath... Too green. He's going to have a terrible game. He had a great game. So I ended up being so wrong at the end. What a player. it, yeah, I I really maybe it was the alcohol, but I I didn't find that that painful to watch. Did oh, you find man, it? I did. I but, I found it painful to watch because it was it was like five minutes in. I think we'd already given away about three penalties. Yeah, and that is what happened where we went up to Murrayfield uh, a couple of years ago, or yeah. maybe three years ago, and we lost at, at Murrayfield, and with a with a really good side. The similar mm. sort of side when we when we put out on Saturday, and they just smashed us at the breakdown, and we were we couldn't adapt, and we were giving away penalty after penalty, yeah. and the same thing was happening on Saturday, and and in five minutes time, I was thinking, oh man, we need we really really need to get a handle on this very very quickly, or else it's just going to be the same story, and we just got worse. <laughs> we gave away ten penalties in the first half, I know. and think I think Scotland won absolutely fair and square, but. England England got nothing. They got no penalties at all, but we were under so much pressure all the time that that's what happened, isn't it? The stats were just incredible. Like that Scotland had like 75% possession. Oh yeah. England, I mean England that's never but, happened to England before. But didn't and I think Ollie it... Lawrence touched touched the ball maybe oh. three times. He, I don't think he touched the ball to like 62nd minute or something. I don't mind watching England lose when we're completely outplayed and we deserve it. Yeah. And I also yeah. think that for many people, they find this quite a relief. It's what Johnny Wilkinson said this on the commentary, and he said it, I'd thought it before he said it. So again, I was ahead of the experts. <laughs> yeah, he said, yeah. he said, <laughs> it's press, it's, it, this is good. Maybe you sort of need this to press the reset yeah. button. If they got away I with another so. win. The thing is, I don't know if they will. The, the thing that's really annoyed me is for so long, since we started doing this podcast, I've been talking about my theory of Eddie Jones should resign or be sacked. And then last week I started rolling back on it because he seems to be getting nicer and he's he took defeat very well and now everybody else is calling for him to be sacked. So I always it's go nonsense. out of fashion. It's just nonsense. It, I'm always it, ahead of my time. It, 
and then it goes out of fashion and I turn out to be right. There's Sorry. There's no way that there's no way Eddie Jones should be sacked. We, we've got this, I don't the, think. This, the, the final of the World Cup. We won the we won the Six Nations last year. We won the Autumn Nations Cup. We have a bad game against Scotland. It will yeah. be it will be an absolute kick up the arse, this will. I mean, I must say, though, the distribution looked really slow, didn't it? I mean, no wonder yeah. no wonder Ben Young I mean look, Ben Young's an amazing player, but he just he looks like he looks slow. He looks slow. But, but it's not just that it it's also the fact that with Scotland, when they had the ball, they did put phases together, they did things. And with us, yeah, you were always did. expecting There'll be a penalty. There'll be a drop ball. There'll be a mistake. Mm. Last year we had one half, one bad half against France, you know, mm. and that that's and then we we went on to win. And, we, and this year we've had a bad game against Scotland. And I think, I really think it'll be one of those things where you go, you're you're right. I mean, if we'd have just squeezed a win at the end, it would have been like, whoa, yeah, great escape, yeah. all that stuff. But losing is a different changes the psychological mindset. It, people they're just going to be utterly focused on. I mean, I know, or, or, I know and unfortunately, Italy is the next game. I would yeah. like it to be someone like Ireland or Wales, you know. But it might it it might be long term confidence issues. I mean, Johnny May dropped, knocked on twice from two kicks when he wasn't really under pressure, and those sort of mm. things where players just. They just seem to be in the it's wrong unusual. mindset. Maybe they listen to the podcast uh, to the podcast before the game because I'm all, I'm terrible at undermining confidence, and and I undermine confidence. They probably had it on. They they probably had it on the speakers in the changing room. The whole, in, the whole oh, yeah, team on the coach on the way there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'll we put probably jubbly on lads. Yeah, yeah put, that on, put that on. Anyway, but but let let us let us give credit to Scotland because exactly. they played brilliantly. They were amazing. Cameron Redpath, that debut at Twickenham. Who's who? Who is now a nailed-on lion? And we were talking about the lions. I said he'd be there. Duhan van der Merwe uh, is going to be a lion, and um, he's in my fantasy rugby team as well for Six Nations. So I I got a few points off of him. I think Finn Russell is great, but I I think there's a Cipriani element to him that makes me get. I I don't. There's a lot. There's a lot of sort of laughing when terrible things happen. He would be very annoying if you're getting smashed and you need a yeah. player of real authority at ten. And he does yeah, do yeah, the yeah. wrong thing occasionally. He is with all that creativity. It's like the I Paul agree. Gascoigne thing. Paul Gascoigne and Cipriani. These flair players, they can they really can't work within a structure annoying. too well, can they? No. You know? So they have a problem with structure, I think. Exactly. But I mean, but I think play, the, players what like the hell Johnny. Do Gray, I know? <laughs> But I honestly think when you when we were doing our Lions team and I kept dropping in these odd Scottish players and you were being all Anglo-centric, I think it proves I'm right again. Well, which <laughs> Scottish players were you dropping in? You couldn't even name jo- the props. Johnny Gray. OK, the props. I think I, think I did Gray's actually name Sutherland, isn't it? Was one, I think. Anyway, I think I named him. But Johnny Gray, I did say he probably should be there or thereabouts. I did say yeah. I liked Hamish Watson. I'm sure I did. And I really like him. Do you know another thing that's great about Hamish Watson? Got an English accent, so I like him even more. Yeah. Um, Currently, the, the Scottish back row is, I mean, that, they, yeah. they, they'd start, wouldn't they? They'd, they'd Jamie Ritchie. They, I don't they, know Matt Fagerson's that. You think he's, he did play very well in this game. Um, but yes, they're, they're, I mean, they've got a great, but they've got, you know, there's even more back rows throwing. But Hamish Watson does, re- he does remind you of sort of Neil Back. He's got that kind of yeah, little troublesome... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Good hair so, as well. So I think, yeah, Cameron I think there's... Redpath could have played for England. Could have played for England, but Hogg's been on the phone to him for like months, apparently, saying, no, no. "Look, you're going to be, you, you can fit into our system. It's nailed on for you. You're going to play." And he had an absolute blinder, as well as making last minute predictions that we were going to beat them by about twenty points because I just thought everybody was talking Scotland up too much. I also thought too much expectation on Redpath. He's going to have a nightmare. And he had the opposite. Yeah. He had a brilliant game. You you can't blame the whole thing it's, of Ollie, two 21-year-olds in the centre, Cameron Redpath and Ollie Lawrence for England. No. And Lawrence never got the ball. Never. He was sort of defending and, you know, got yeah, know, one chance. I, he, I hope he gets another go, you know. I hope he, he will. He will. I'm sure he'll get another go against Italy. Yeah. And, because he's hasn't, he, hasn't had a, he hasn't had a chance to sort of play in an attacking structure. It was just yeah. like... And do you know what was great foot, about Redpath? Redpath was being used in set moves and stuff and was coming in. I know. And I thought... He had, he had his hands on the ball all the time. <laughs> this is, again, why I'm so... But I should never be involved in rugby in any proper level because I'd have gone, oh, don't give it, no, let's let's break the 21-year-old in gently. Let's not... His first game, let's not get him too involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Scotland were brilliant 
and I think that they are a good side, but they are annoyingly inconsistent. And I hope. Mm. I mean, it's good they've got Wales at home next. It is Wales at home yeah. next, isn't it? Um, and because yeah. uh, I think that's they've they've got a really good chance of, to build on this and all the rest. I'd love them to win the Six yeah. Nations this year or something. Scotland on the obviously on uh, people are going crazy about this result. It is ridiculous online. People going, oh, you know, Farrell's not a Test ten. That's what I. The guy's had. Oh, I don't know how many nonsense. caps he's got. Really, you can't. The, this the. Can I just say the sort of comments on on the Guardian, um, underneath our Guardian articles on Twitter? There are so many idiots out there. And I know we are idiots, but we know we're idiots. We say mm. I say stupid things, knowing that there's every chance that I'm very very wrong. But God, there's some moronic, panicky people going. Oh, it's the end of the world, and. I don't know, maybe I've just finally become, sadly, one of those people that thinks the Six Nations isn't as important as World Cups. Yeah. But it's a yeah. good time think, to have I a bad season. You that's know. it. Eddie Jones is a World Cup man, isn't he? He's, he's, he mm. like peaks at the right time. And I think we've had a bad game. It happens. Yeah. Uh, let's not forget New Zealand got beaten by Argentina earlier this year. Exactly. You, you know. Everybody has an off date. Anyway, we've got to get on to the next game. We're running out of time because we've mm. got our guest coming soon and we've, we've had to start yes, this. Wales, to... Ireland. I went, for, I went for a Wales win by two points. So I was, and it was actually five points. So I was nearly on it with this one. But on the day, I was thinking, I hope, I hope Ireland win this. And do you know what? I think they may have won it if they hadn't have gone down to fourteen men. I don't know. I think I, I think that is true. But then weirdly, they were losing. They went. They were three nil. I think the six nil weren't they after the penalty was given. Six nil, mm-hmm. and then they got scored thirteen points unanswered when they went down to fourteen. It was the typical Irish thing of going, "Oh, we might be slight favourites. Oh no, we're massive underdogs now. We've lost a player. It's time for yeah, us to exactly. get going." Spirit, um, spirit, exactly. It was all Irish that sort of spirit. spirit. I mean, I, I, I think Wales definitely are better than they than they have been. I do think it's mm. the beginning of sort of Wales coming back. This was, I think, it was shaping up to be a good game. I thought they were both playing quite well. Again, it ruined. It was ruined slightly by the sending off because then you can't really judge how good they were. Mm. Did you? What did you think of the sending off? Just going, yep, totally a red, as everybody said, and no question. Well, you, you, there's no point ever like arguing. You know, with red cards, is there? Because because they've got fifteen different camera angles, you know, yeah. and they, you know, they'll just analyse it and go, well, letter of the law, you have to go. You know, well, there's exactly. no point. I, I don't, bl- I don't blame the decision. I think he has to make the decision, uh, but mm. I, I get, I was again. Because I have these nice chats with John, uh, our producer, before when you can't get online, yeah. we were and I do. I know this makes it ridiculously complicated. Is there some way there could be a midpoint between yellow and red? That there's mm. look that you know that was you were that was messy. You made. What I'm, the, what the I'm tired be? of players getting sent off when they've just mistimed something or made a mistake. You know, I was thinking about the example of Sonny Bill Williams in New Zealand uh, against the Lions. That was a a shoulder charge to the head. Yeah, but I don't think he went, I'm going to shoulder charge that guy's head. I think they go in, he turns his head away. They're not looking when they're making contact. Same with Omani. He ran in, he's probably looking to drive, I think, Tipperick off. And Mm. Thomas um, uh, Francis was dropping down or had just been dropping down. It's very possible. He he did run for quite a way with with his head turned, not really yeah. looking. But I, I I know some people think it was very cynical, um, cynical, and that he did know what he was doing. I just, I'm I just think the ref even knows. <laughs> John's the nodding ref, away. The ref knows it was. The ref goes. I've got. You've got to go. That's you made contact with the head. Yeah, but it's letter of the law. That's the thing. It's it's it doesn't really it's, opinion doesn't come into it. Well, that's, can't, that's can't, what that's how it has to be. It has to be like. No, if you do that and you hit somebody's head, then unfortunately, mate, you have to leave the pitch. But That's, what about you know, what about twenty minutes instead of ten? This is John came up with this. I was thinking of this already. A midway card, twenty minutes of going. Mm. We don't think you're we don't think you're evil, we, but yeah, we do yeah, think yeah. that you're you're a bit you've been a bit dodgy there. That's obviously dangerous. We need to disadvantage your team for a while rather than change the game. What was it? Fifteen minutes in or something? You've changed mm. the game. And sort mm, of ruined the mm. game. I mean, as soon as as soon as you lose a player at international level, you can pretty much say well, that's game over. You, you know, in, and in a way, in football, it's not like that because you can get away with like parking the bus for you know with ten men. But rugby, you, it's hard to 
it's hard to claw, you know, claw a win from 14 men. Yeah. There's just not enough, you know, you just can't do it. Um, so, I mean, maybe your 20 minute theory, <laughs> what color would that card be? Blue? Well, we were going, John, Green. John, suggested, sorry, John should be on the pod. Sorry, John, <laughs> John said orange. Of course, orange. Yeah. Amber, yellow, amber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, amber. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, I think bring in the amber card of look that was really really sloppy or we like the, you we well, um, we like it, we still like you as a person it wasn't malicious still you think know, you're a nice person it's, it's another nice quick person. point another quick point sorry on a very silly level Johnny Sexton's hair looks lovely he's had an all over <laughs> no, he's sort of had an all over crew cut and I've sudden and I know Good I've man. mentioned this before you know my yeah. my youngest ever since she was little has called him Johnny Sexy Town and I've never oh, understood. Right, yeah. I've never understood why he's sexy. And my wife said, yeah, I think he is it. quite sexy. And I've always thought he's not a sexy man. I suddenly see it after this weekend. It's because, he's done I'll tell you why. He's got, because he's got a big neck, right? He's got a big neck that goes into his jawline. And then he's got that sort of curious flat top on top. He looks yes, like Kim Jong-un. and the flat top was you know? really nasty. Exactly. And now he's That's gone. That's not flattering. Yeah. And you can he's see the shape the- of his head. It's just those little yeah. things that make the difference between sexy and ugly. So <laughs> well done, Johnny Sexton. You're small, maturing small nice. Small margins, and like at yeah, international level. Margins. Um, very quick other points. Josh Adams getting dropped uh, for this game. And I yeah, could, but there was a know, reason, wasn't there? Well, he it, went it to a, a gender breach. reveal party for a child, oh, didn't yeah, he? Oh, yeah, the gender reveal party. But you just go... <laughs> Uh, Apparently, he may, I don't. I just think how when you're doing this and you know how important it is, surely um, you keep it quiet. Whether he's gone and told someone, he can't be that stupid to not know that he was breaking rules. And of all the parties to go to, you know, it's, a it's not a. I mean, it's obviously it's not his child. It's probably just a nephew or niece or something. Or, or you just yeah. go, come on, somebody would tell you. It's not. They're not even a big deal. Are they? Do you don't. You haven't done gender reveal <laughs> parties with your kids, did you? <laughs> no. no, I didn't. No. We didn't actually know Why? for number Why two. Why would you? Why would you? Who who cares that much? You exactly. know, apart from you, you know, we didn't even know what gender it was going to be um, yeah. for the first one. Um, anyway, so that's a shame. Resamit looked pretty good though. And Reece Amit scored a brilliant try, really well taken, because yeah. he really had to do... When he got the ball, he really did have to... He had a thunderous tag furlong trying to knock him out He's into fast, touch. He's didn't he? And he got did, wheels. yeah, he did so well. So, um, yeah, and... So uh, we, just, we should just mention uh, Billy Burns' final kick for Ireland. Well, doesn't it prove the point, though? As I was saying, sometimes it's nicer that the crowd's not there, because the Welsh crowd would have been horrible to him for doing that. Imagine, I mean, imagine mm. humiliating himself. He's gone, oh, no, I've put it straight out. So this is, if you didn't imagine know, folks that, listening, he's got a kick to the corner. It's it's in the red. Time's in the red. You know, it's past 80 minutes. Their last chance. Yeah, and he goes so far to the corner, he kicks it dead and game's over. And it's, gone you know, Ireland had it's a gone chance. So they could have done a line-out catch and drive and scored. And he messed it up. But that Welsh crowd would have just gone, ah, I any yeah. crowd would have just, you know, the celebration. But I mean, you, the thing is, as a player, you'd expect it from the worst crowd. You'd be worried about the reaction of the Irish crowd. That's what would be the, the pressurised thing, you know? They're like, so, if, you know, you could kick a ball long, the worst crowd, you're going to get abuse. That's the way yeah. it goes. But the Irish crowd, it would just be silence and disappointment. Exactly. And that would be the harder thing to deal with, I think. Um, very quickly, very quickly, Italy, France... Um, oh man! I'll tell you what. I I I I just don't like. Watching I only watched Italy. half of this, by the way, because I was watching. Boring. I was watching Sarri's Ealing. Were you? Did you Pick watch the whole out. game? I watched. I was. I was sort of playing with my son, so I was watching some of it and playing with him. But I, you know, in the, in the first like twenty minutes or half an hour, it was twenty-four nil or something, twenty-four-three to to France, and I just thought. I honestly thought, what is the point? Of Italy being in this competition, they're just going to get spanked. I know you're looking out, you're look, you're holding out for them to beat Wales, but there's no, I mean, there's, yeah. there's no, there's no reason to keep a side in a competition with the possibility that they might, might win one game. That's not can competitive. I ju- can I just say, first of all, I think watching Italy France with your son is a perfect representation of that sort of game because it's men against boys. Um, yes, isn't it? You should have played your own version of the match with your son as Italy yeah, and you as France. Just me just scoring at will. <laughs> yeah. That's what I used to... I do miss my kids being... When they were sort of four or five, I used to all... It was the only time I really did a good 
what's it called? Like dump tackle? What, you, what is it when you lift? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Like a, you know, like a spear oh, tackle. <laughs> I didn't actually spear tackle my kids, but I did used to do the run at me, run at me, and I would lift off. And yeah, I, and yeah, I, yeah. I, and I just, over the shoulder. Very quickly, because we, we've got to go to our special guest, but very quickly. Yes. Just on the Italy thing, I don't think it's the end of the world that they're getting mashed at the moment. I hope Franco, is Franco Smith at the moment. No, 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 It's been like over twenty years, twenty-two years. They only, they are a really inexperienced team. They have one hundred and twenty-four caps in the whole Italian team, so they are young. The future, the halfbacks are like nineteen and twenty or twenty twenty-one. Varney and Garbisi. Well, in five years' time, we can have this chat again. Yeah, they'll beat someone in about four or five years. But it will take four or five years, but they will beat someone. If he keeps keeps faith with that young team, they're not it's not like they're old stagers being rubbish. They're well, really they'll either, young. They'll either they'll either beat someone eventually or they'll just get smashed every time and lose confidence. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So... Our guest this week is uh, a stand-up comedian who used to be a stand-up comedian who's written for many TV programmes, has had BAFTA nominations for his animated series Pet Squad, wrote for loads of other people, was an extremely brilliant stand-up, by the way, whose show in 2015 was one of the best things I saw in Edinburgh. But he's now a full-time author. He's written loads and loads of books, the Bunny McGarry books, and the, your current work, The Stranger Times, I am actually genuinely reading. He's Queeve McDonnell, OK, who's just... His, his <sighs> writing name has now become C.K. McDonnell. He's missed off his blog the best thing about his life, which is he used to be a stadium announcer at London Irish. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Queeve McDonnell! Hello, gentlemen. Hey. Very nice to be here. Hi, Queeve. Hello, mate. Um, nice to meet hello. you as well. I've not met you before. Uh, no, yeah, indeed, nice to meet you. Hello. Um, yeah, hello. Well, yes, in, hello. In answer to your question that was in the intro, uh, we're using CK for the new book, The Stranger Times, is a slightly different uh, genre. It's also published by Part of Penguin. Um, and to be honest, they were terrified of trying to tell me that no one could pronounce Queeve. So they were delighted. <laughs> we, just, we just said, we'll just go with uh, CK, which, by the way, isn't even my initials. My dad got really annoyed because <laughs> the K was, it was supposed to be C slash K for Queeve slash Kevin, which is uh, Queeve is Queeveine, Kevin in Irish, in yeah. English. Oh, you know? right, right, And um, right. my dad got really annoyed because that's not my, that, those aren't my initials in any language. Queeve, because I, I have never asked you enough about this, about... How long were you the stadium announcer guy at London Irish? And you used to also I interview was... players and do stuff for the local, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I was I was technically the voice of London Irish was my official title. Um, I say official, mm. it just sort of stuck around. Uh, I did it for about 14 seasons, I think. Um, wow. Good. How did you yeah, get yeah. that job, Queeve? How did, you, how, did you, how did that happen? Really randomly. I was always a massive rugby fan and I got a phone call from a promoter called Jeff Whiting, of all people. Oh, whereas yeah. Lon- London Irish had gone, they, they basically had seen somebody do something in a basketball game in America and they wanted me to do stuff at halftime. And initially it was literally just like just things about trying to be the halftime entertainment. It's like, would you wear a leprechaun outfit? No, definitely not. They didn't They didn't want you to do stand-up, did they? At, at 
half time. That's just my biggest nightmare. Is go on, go on, do your stuff. I, I tell I some think, jokes. Yeah. Steve Day did stand up. I think it may have been Saracens, you know, um, oh, where they had a thing where they asked people to do stand up at half time. I think he won some kind of competition. It was either there or Quinns. It was definitely one of the two. One of those two. Oh, um, but oh yeah, so they God. did. You know, they, they they sort of had different ideas about things, but then eventually we kind of came in, and I did the halftime entertainment. Then I took over doing the announcements properly when the guy who was doing them retired. It was a lovely fellow called Kevin, who was a very sort of received pronunciation kind of Irish guy. And then they got me, and I was called at one point by the Daily Mail journalist. I was called the second most annoying man in British rugby. Who was, <laughs> oh was the first and most annoying man in British rugby? Uh, the guy at Wasps. Uh, the guy at Wasps, yeah. And, um, yeah, um, which was, to be fair, that was in the period where um, when the team wasn't doing well, certain members of management had this idea that we should get the crowd going at every break in play. And I was like, you know, that's a terrible idea. Like, yeah, you can't yeah. Manufacture an art. You can't manufacture an, um, uh, an you atmosphere. know atmosphere by shouting at people to shout. It mm. doesn't. But I was like, okay, I'll do what you tell me to do. Um, but yeah, so that was the point where I was doing it, and I didn't even like, frankly, when I was doing that bit. But yeah, it was great. I got to interview the players after the game. I got to stand between the two dugouts. Um, Bizarrely, London Irish played Gloucester this weekend, and they're always pretty good games. One point, I was uh, on the highlights in the TV because uh, our then captain, Bob Casey, the legend, and the Gloucester captain were about to wallop each other when they both come off the field on the sideline. And you can just see me oh. with two massive men coming towards each other and me with the microphone <laughs> literally fucking out of the way to try and get away from... Because Bob Casey's a lovely man, genuinely one of the sweetest men you'll ever meet, but he's like six foot eight and he was always... He was one of those old school big locks. Like mm. he was Martin Johnson. Yeah, he wasn't... Yeah. Yeah. wasn't one of the skinny boys and it's only when he was looming coming for some guy because basically they thought Dell from Gloucester had gone for somebody's eyes and yeah. that's the one thing professional rugby players lose their mind about yeah. and Bob was coming over at him and I think a lovely man but he actually the words he said was if you got his eyes we're coming for you and I was like wow he just seems so pleasant before <laughs> <laughs> I remember what so I because cool. I saw you in action I remember sorry I was again it's a common theme that I w- I'd been drinking heavily, and it was um, wow. it was the double header at Twickenham. We think it was 2016, yeah. and you were it was London Irish Harlequins, wasn't it? And Saracens yeah. had played the first game, and so I was sitting on my second game, and I kept. I remember you tried to do your job. You do an announcement. I go, oh my god, it's Queeve. He's actually was, announcing to Twickenham, and it was like sixty thousand yeah. people or whatever. I don't have full the ground. Yeah, was, it was pretty pretty four, well, they always bump the numbers up for that one. But I think if that was the one where I think Saracens played North. Hampton. Yes. That was the game where it was the year Jim Mander lost his job. Yes. Um I I was in the dressing room beside Northampton at half time and I got to hear Jim Mander because that was the game where if I'm thinking of the right one it was the game where they shipped like 30 it was 40 like 50, points. It was like one by about 50 points. Saracens beat Northampton set about three times that season by about 50 points because yeah. we played them in Europe as well as and the that, Premiership so we kept thrashing them. Yeah, and they just got absolutely destroyed and I heard him giving the team talk, which was just incredible to listen to, like him. I mean, he properly losing his mind at really? them. And then um, that was also the year that Saracens for halftime hit entertainment had their two um, mascots beat the crap out of each other in front of a <laughs> like, like this. Kids uh, mask mascots are aimed at kids. Yeah, they had the two of them do an MMA fight. Oh my! And they God. had like the wolf and the camel or something. <laughs> do you know, do you know why I totally missed this? Because I missed this because I was there with a friend who'd you got... You were drinking heavily, how No, we were you? doing... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a hospitality <laughs> thing. It was the nicest Twickenham tickets I've ever... We had something where he knew someone who got us in because I had to wear a suit. I was wearing a jacket. So I know I was I was off drinking during the interval. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, well, you missed you miss two cuddly toys kicking the living crap oh, out of each other on the middle of Twickenham. That's brilliant. I thought, so Queen, you, I, I thought... I thought they'd actually had a had a falling out and they were just starting to chase each other around the pitch, but no, it was a it was a piece of entertainment. Now, did in terms of interviewing players and stuff, because I have I still get a bit pathetic about these men who are half my age and yet achieving so much more than us. Did you feel one of the team, or did you feel a little bit? Oh, because you you weren't a big player, were you? You never. Were, no, God, you're no, like no, me. No. You were rubbish as a youngster, weren't you? Yeah, and now, let's be clear. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I was, you sort of get used to, to 
to t- chatting to them and stuff. Like a lot of them, you kind of interview, you end up interviewing a lot of them as like young kids a lot of the time, like Joe Vock and a singer and stuff like yeah. that. When he sort of, I know his bath have since ruined him, but he was he was quite the prospect <laughs> a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, but I was like the first person that ever interviewed him ever, pretty much. I mean, um, I can remember standing on stage with him and going, so let's just get the pronunciation of your name right. Vakanasinga. And he was going, Vakanasinga. Vakanasinga. No, no, it's Vakanasinga, not Vakanasinga. Oh, yeah, You're yeah. I, 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 I was the one who ended up explaining it to Sky and they explained it to the thing because they were saying it wrong as well. Oh, my God. But oh, I thing, right. I thought I, I was saying it right and I just kept saying what I thought he was saying and he kept saying it back to me again and I kept saying it back to him and I was <laughs> and it got really awkward. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm saying what you're saying, Joe. And he's like, no, you're not. I went, okay. No, you're not. <laughs> God. But yeah, uh, lovely, genuinely, really nice guy. But yeah, so you sort of interview those guys and generally most rugby players are actually pretty intelligent. They're pretty kind of coherent. Mm. I mean, a large part of the problem, if you ever go to these um, halftime at, at sort of rugby games, because I've been to sale and stuff when they do it and they just have people talking over them while they're being interviewed and it's horrible. Um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But, but I was a stand-up, so when I was in the room um, doing the after-room thing, I sort of settled them all down and focused them. Uh, got he- got heckled by Steve Diamond at one point, by the way. God. See, Whoa. he's quite a frightening man. What Heckled horribly. Did he try and yeah. take you down? Yeah, yeah. He, he tried to... It was about the time where... Do you remember where was it? Redpath, I think, was in charge. He was the director of rugby, and, and, and yeah, basically yeah. Steve Diamond moved up. Oh, right. And then he fired Redpath and moved, came, came back down again because he wasn't happy with them. And I was interviewing um, George Skimmerton. Yeah, lovely man, George. I was interviewing George on stage. Steve Diamond heckled me. And because my instinct just kicked in, I slammed him. Because <laughs> like, I, I sort of went, I, I remember, I can't remember all of it, but I remember at one point, because this is two weeks after he fired Redpath, they went, I went, give it a minute, George. He's going to try and fire me in a second. <laughs> he doesn't realize I don't work for him. And the whole room's going, <laughs> And the best thing was all of his players were there because that was the point where they brought up the two sets of players and all of his own squad were literally just looking at the floor, trying to not laugh God. and not make any kind of eye contact with anybody else. Um, I do yes. think it's an, it's an imp- I, I once did a, um, a thing for the British Olympic team just before the London Olympics in 2012. And I thought, this is never going to work. This is going to be terrible because I don't have anything in common with these kids. I mean, it was like Rebecca Adlington, but there was a lot, you know, 19, 20 year olds who were just training for the Olympics. And I took the line of just taking the piss out of their coaches and they were lovely. It completely worked. It does work as a tactic of going, because I, I think it's it's quite a scary environment for an entertainer to 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 entertain sports people when you're not I I think I think it's yeah. I think rugby crowd I've died at I died a horrible death at Isha Rugby Club in 2012 that still scares me John Inverdale was there and oh and I saw <laughs> yeah. him at another corporate about 10 months later and stormed it and I thought yeah you thought I was shit and actually it's just like it's <laughs> tough to do but um yeah, yeah. but I did I, I was always admired you for that Queeve I think it's a very hard environment because they've got their sort of in jokes and we're not dressing room lads who be I mean Dan might be yeah, better but, at it because he's Dan probably, I'm not a, better at it. At least no you played way. for a long time, Dan. You're not, you know. Yeah, but it doesn't doesn't give you any um, armory whatsoever. If you're trying to entertain them like with comedy, no. It's, yeah, I would, I would, I would never no. entertain a rugby team. I would never do that because I was just entertaining the fans. But that's a lot easier because, like, I had like running gags where, and it was just London Irish because you know they got the new um, incredible training ground. It is yeah. a brilliant training ground, um, which they built, and that was a big thing coming through. But it was a running joke that every time anyone joined the club, they basically mentioned the facilities. And I was mm. like, literally, just I, by the end, I was sort of going, and uh, you know, anything else. And it, when they mentioned the facilities, I just went, way! And the whole guru goes, way! <laughs> was like what's just happened it's like <laughs> sorry mate it's just everybody has to mention the facilities in the first two lines or they get booed oh, I think um, if you're trying to entertain a rugby crowd and you're you know you're up on or even rugby players and you're up on stage you're still even though you've got the microphone and you're in you're in charge you're still the lowest status person in the room so it's you know they, they're just they're just you're just not going to get the reaction I don't think no, well, you, to bet it start it starts off that way. Bear in mind, I was there for fourteen years, and I was there as yeah. the announcer. So oh, they didn't expect me to be funny. So the fact that I could also bring that, yeah, yeah, was, exactly, so it's able, nice. I was able to control the room because a lot of people knew me. It was also if people were talking over me, other people told them to shut up because they were sort of used to me. I was part of the furniture, frankly. Yeah, um, yeah. So they were sort of a bit, but yeah, because I've seen it at other clubs, and it is. I feel really hard because I won't bring a player up and have them interviewed and people are ignoring them because that's really rude and it's mm. yeah, bad yeah, for yeah. everybody 
involved. So, um, so yeah, I was able to use my stand-up skills to kind of control it a bit, and and you know, mm. and then you just try, you have to try and make it a bit entertaining. I mean, it's really challenging. Bear in mind, we got relegated twice while I was doing the gig. Um, <laughs> trying to get tough. trying to get the morale up in a room after that yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. was genuinely sapping. Yeah. Like you, you'd actually, like, I'd literally be standing outside, going, "Oh God, we're screwed, we're screwed," and then just like, "Okay, here Yay! we go, come yeah. on, positivity." It's like, oh, oh man. man, tough gig. Must be very tough to be relegated when when um, when you actually are beaten into relegation rather than just the other clubs joining together yeah. to, to find you <laughs> to get and dock you points. Everybody knows that Saracens are very hard done by, <laughs> and you. you know, God love them. It's amazing. Mm. They should have spent all that money on lawyers instead of paying people that they shouldn't have been paid. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say, I people blaming Saracens players for England being rubbish at the weekend. I don't think it was true because I think everybody was rubbish. But I also, I kind of, I'd love it if they did. I'd love it if it, if Sarri's players were now working from the inside to fuck up England, just to, to, just so all those rugby fans get it stuffed in their face. What they did, yeah. no, it's, of course, I do think Saracens. It was terrible. That's a reasonable but I just think response. The punishment Harry. of so many people. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I mean, if it's any consolation, I don't really believe in relegation, but that's another. Um, I think it's damaging for the sport. But anyway, well, but I the think th- they're th- going to ring fence it, aren't they? This, I think they're, they're no. stopping doing it. They're not. BT have refused. BT basically have said they want the the storyline, so they won't let them ring fence really? it. So we have to go oh, through this. My God, thing wow. is, though, it's very short sighted because there's only thirteen teams. Let's be honest. Ealing are, are yeah. trying, but they haven't got the base. They haven't got the stadium. They haven't got well. They got a bit of money. Mm. They haven't got the level to really be in the Premiership. Mm. So all that happens is it cuts back investment in the long term in clubs, getting better grounds in 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 academies, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, I, so I, I yeah. disagree. Having seen them beat, okay, again, it's a second and third team Saracens team. Ealing Trailfinders have beaten them twice uh, in these this sort of little pre-championship tournament. Now, admittedly, when Saris are playing seriously in the championship against Ealing, when that starts next month, I think they will have to go full bore. Ealing aren't rubbish. Ealing definitely. Oh no, they're not. They would. They would survive. They, they could probably survive the, in the Premiership. They haven't got they the infrastructure pro- though. How you have to sustain it over a, like a. Six months or whatever it is, and that's yeah. the problem, yeah. isn't you it? You don't need fifteen; you need forty players. Yeah, like the the amount of guys you get paid way more to 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 sit on the bench for any Premiership team, like to not even make the bench, they would all be the highest paid player in most of the teams like Ealing and stuff. There are good players there. I know mm. one of them. I know he was there last year. I think he's probably still there now. Um, and you know, very good players. Um, but guys who, frankly, a lot of the time didn't work out. I actually, there's a guy called David Pace who played for London Irish who was actually coaching at Ealing mm. um, for a while. And I remember asking him, I think he said this off the record, but he's retired now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I said, what was the difference between championship players and premiership players? And he said, a lot of them are physically as good as premiership players. The difference is premiership players make a mistake and they learn from it. And what the championship is mainly full of is a lot of guys who've never managed to learn from the mistakes and make them again. And his point was that that was a lot of amazing. That's an amazing fact. That's really interesting. Wow. I mean, that was his opinion. And there are as well. If you, I mean, generally in the championship, you'll see old school props, like proper, like genuine. They'll run by you. And like, yeah, remember yeah, when yeah. we were our first year down, and one of them running by, and you go. I have not seen that body type take this field for 10 years. <laughs> like Garrett, Garrett Chilcott reborn. I do. They, they, that's so interesting because there's so many reasons why a championship player may not learn from his mistakes. You know, you may get to, you may be like a big fish in a small pond. Like you get to a certain level, you go, I've made it, you know, and then you can't sort of progress anymore because of your mindset. And I just a, Premiership player just wants to keep learning and gets it better and gets as good as good as good as they can. They're humble, I suppose. Yeah, but there's also as well, I mean, that's part of it. There's also, it's hard for guys to break in. It's hard for young guys to break into premiership Mm. teams. I mean, even now, the guys in the back three for London Irish are Tom Parton um, and the two wingers, Ollie Hassel Collins and, uh, oh, I have a terrible head for names, but he's actually probably the best of them. The, The What's the kid's name? But anyway, those three guys, they've been with London Irish for a while. We knew they were very good for a long time. The reason they finally, most of them started getting playing time, a lot of it was because, God bless Saracens, they got rid of relegations last year. (laughs) So those lads got a bit more playing time. Um, Mm. And that was it. And and they are now, all three of them could easily go to, you know, and they were considered the same as Anthony Watson when he was coming up and JJ, you know, quality backs. London Irish, for some reason, produce um, a lot of quality backs. 
um, and they have a very good academy. Tom Parton, I saw, we watched a game, I watched a game a couple of, oh, a few weeks ago. He is potentially brilliant. Really, yeah. really good. He's he he had a massive game. I can't remember when it, it was. A couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, and um, I thought, wow, that guy could. He's potential England future, definitely. Oh, he um, does. He, he runs beautifully. He can go off both feet. He genuinely when he is a beautiful gliding runner. Weirdly, he's a bit like Hugo Keenan, who's just broken into the Irish mm. back three at full back. Uh, but Parton again was always this spectacular talent that they just couldn't get in because, sadly, because of. Um, the problem that English rugby has, and they're getting better at it because a lot of guys have obviously come through recently, but a large part of the problem, I honestly think, is you have these good young guys, but management are scared to put them in in all teams mm. because um, relegation is not the time to put those lads. You know, yeah. it's you want some guy who's come from Australia, has a bit of Super 14 yeah. experience and all that, and, and that ends up stifling, I think, a lot of good young talent that end up going to the championship to play or getting fed up and not getting the contracts and disappearing from the sport. Is it not the same in Pro 14 though, Cueve? Like, um, because the the the, um, the international players in Ireland uh, seem to be largely protected. You know, they don't yeah. play very many Pro 14 games, and so presumably younger kids are getting more opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, the yeah. Pro 14 works perfect. I mean, Leinster because they have the best academy outside of New Zealand. Really, I think anyone like the number of people they have, the sheer talent. Like I don't know if people over here over here realize this fully, but a large part of the Ulster and Munster squad, increasingly and Connacht, are guys from Leinster, um, because they they produce such talent, uh, mm. to a ridiculous degree that they have so many good young players coming through that there's a big thing in Ireland is being forcing Leinster to spread the wealth and get these guys. But even then, what happens is, yeah, Johnny Sexton, if you look at the numbers for the Pro 14, he comes back and plays in the semi and the final. Last year, they actually kept him on the bench for the final, I think, just because so many other guys had played. But basically, he plays maybe four Pro 14 games in a year, yeah. uh, like league games, and he's mainly doing them to get fitness back or something like that. And, you know, but it's just it's the nature of it. Hopefully it's going to change when the South Africans come in because it needs to kick up the arse as a competition. Maybe you're just angry, Queef, because you're scarred by your years of London Irish oh, yeah, getting yeah. relegated. But, but yeah, I also yeah. know the effect it had on the club. And I genuinely think, you know, we had a brilliant academy of English players mm. that um, ended up getting scattered to the wind. A lot of them didn't fulfil their potential and stuff. And honestly, it's because of that. I actually think, in all honesty, what I'd like to see them do is have the... Um, British and South African League, British, Irish and South African League, where you put them all in, do the NF, what the NFL do. Mm. And people say there's no relegation. That's pink. There's no relegation in the NFL. It's still no. the biggest team in the world. Yeah, that's but true. Also, also, relegation in the Premiership is pointless. A side like Northampton yeah. goes down, Newcastle goes down, they're going to come up again the next year. There's, there's, there's no sort of long-term jeopardy involved. It's, it's, they've got the money, the infrastructure and the finances just to go bang, straight back up again. Because I want to plug your book, Queen, because it's very, very good. Um, have you ever, would you ever set a book in rugby, maybe a, a, in a rugby environment? There'd be a story about a small Australian ruining English rugby's reputation. Or have you got a rugby book in you, do you think? No, because honestly, I can remember years ago getting heckled on stage. I was emceeing a gig and Gary's lady, my, I lived with for years, mm. a good friend, and Duncan Oakley, another good friend of mine, was on. And I can remember the gig was going well and some guy in the crowd decided to heckle me based on Irish rugby. Uh, and I can remember this guy and I went, oh, yeah, name your whole team. Go on, name the whole English team. And I can just remember <laughs> seeing Gary in the corner of my eye talking to Duncan and his, his whole body language where he's putting his hand in his head and he's basically going, oh, this is the one thing he has no sense of humour about. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just going to make, the, it was going well. Now it's going to be awkward because he's lost his temper about some guy slagging off the Irish rugby team. No. I'm exactly the, sorry, can I just say, I'm exactly the same and having no sense of humour on the way everybody celebrates when England lose. It still hurts. It still makes me go, for fuck's sake, just grow up. I'm getting chippier about it. I must admit, <laughs> I'm ch well, I'm chippier about Irish rugby, mainly because I know too many people who are Irish, like you, Queeve, but also people within the family and relatives of Dawn. Also, I was very chippy about when England won in 2019, when Ireland got a taste of, you know, they were the best side in the world. They were number one in the world. They'd beaten New Zealand. Whenever England get accused of arrogance and I went... It just shows Ireland got some uh, Ireland. I've never seen Irish rugby be that arrogant. There were there were comments. There was the whole way the game, you know, the the jokes in the national press just before that England game. 
um, there was there was lots of nastiness that you could pick on and go, you did this, you did that. And it just shows that it, it's just, I mean, I'm, it's just because England have a history of, of, of because they have such a large player pool, because they've been in, what, four, four World Cup finals. Um, and yeah. because they've got that history of, of expectation, they're called arrogant. They're not. They're just a team that has a history yeah. of doing so well because okay. they've got a big player base. Do you want to counter-argument to that, Hal? Yes, do yes. When, do, you remember, do you remember when we had the Lions draw, when the Lions drew? Uh, the amount of English rugby fans who made the point and said, oh, it's a shame England aren't playing the All Blacks now because we could have had the decider. And everyone in Irish and Welsh and Scottish rugby went, I'm sorry, what? Oh, it was you, was it? Oh, I didn't realise it was just you. Oh, that was in the press and a lot of fans said it. I've also, never heard of that. I've sorry. never heard that either. I've we've never, never heard, heard of that. Well, do you, well, do you know what, Queen? I guarantee you I could go find the quotes. Well, now we find it. Do you know what it was in? It was in the Irish press. It, you're looking yeah. for an angle I think to support been, uh, these an assumption. These are conspiracy theories. These are conspiracy theories. This is great. Theories. See, this that's, is good. We have our first proper <laughs> row on the pod. I knew it happened. Our first Irish guest. I was the Irish, which is an English rugby team. Where do you think I was hearing Secondly, I would like to go back to the the Clive Woodward era, where Clive Woodward was a very big fan of the idea of the Six Nations, or I think possibly five, where it was at the time. Uh, England isn't getting the level of competition it needs. We need to move and play the Southern Hemisphere more. Do you honestly think we forgot that? Well, but serious rugby fans remember when you tried to relegate all of us. But it's because he's a a, a different matter, but it's because you drag us down. The the truth is, we have a we have a Six Nations that is quite you know Wales has won the most grand slams in the Six Nations um, mm. but when it comes to play, the record against other teams God this is a good point to say England and France have a much much better record long term against Australia New Zealand and South Africa than Ireland Wales and Scotland do that's absolutely true, but by the same logic, we should stop having the Heineken Cup because Leinster and the French keep winning it. Yeah, it's like, the, the, like we should only let Saracens in. Well, except, Ireland you know, only have four cheating. teams to choose from. Of course, they're going to do well in the Heineken Cup. If you have to We've win, got it, got five million people. <laughs> But you keep you, you always take it as a personal insult. The reality is, it's useful. Leinster <laughs> is hated by the other three provinces, even mm. the guys who use play for Leinster, because it's useful. Because it's. <coughs> but you don't you prefer? You're a Leinster Munster man, so you can support yeah. Munster as well. Don't you prefer supporting Munster because you're not expected to? Be, everybody doesn't hate you in the same way. No, no, I don't. Because Munster is feared and Leinster is feared. I don't really care what anyone else thinks of either. I support both with them. I'll support Ulster and Connacht as well a lot. Oh, right. um, but my point is that like, I genuinely support all four provinces if they're not against each other. It's useful because, bar- barring else, just taking Irish rugby for one second. Munster mm. is, is generally, this is a, 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 a broad strokes, generally a working class game. Leinster, generally a uh, posh boys game. Frankly, almost exclusive. Well, not always exclusive. There's a few boys from outside. Uh, Ulster, it's very much, frankly, a Protestant unionist game. There are a few Catholics from, from nationalist backgrounds. Yeah, You have to get all those guys together and you have to form them into a coherent unit where there's no issues. Do you know what one of the easiest things you can do with that situation is? Lads, let's all try and beat the English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should say, Cueve, in my I shouldn't be having this row with you because I think also, when I get defensive of England, that the Irish are probably uh, the most polite to our faces anyway. When I've sat in the Aviva and watched England lose, very nice. Much tougher time in Murrayfield and Cardiff. Cueve, you, can, can I say, that is, it's so interesting. that this, I, I think you're a very brave man being a pitch-side announcer and getting involved in that way and because and, I think there's a, there's a lot of opportunity for humiliation. Um, and no, very impressive. And uh, your book is honestly, your book is brilliant so far. The Stranger Times. I'm reading it every. It's very extraordinary characters already, um, and I'm only about thirty pages in. But brilliant. Um, you should never have given up stand up because you were amazing as well. So um, well, well, thanks. But as it turned out, that timing was pretty bloody handy. So yes. um... well, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are very busy. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for an insight into uh, into Irish rugby that this podcast has really missed because da- particularly Dan <laughs> is far too Anglo centric. Bloody great to have you on Queeve as well in a week when you lost. Ray. Um... Yeah, yeah. We had fourteen men who came out of more credit than the fifteen that beat them, and England lost. To- 
yeah, I, I know. Mean, I was, and you were away oh, from home. God. And yeah, but. And, you know, to be fair, if England were still playing now, fingers crossed they'd have scored a try. I mean, it didn't look like it was going to happen, <laughs> but I reckon, I reckon by the third day, some of the Scots would have fallen asleep. But if you are sober, uh, we've got to, when lockdown's over, we've got to get together and drink because I love uh, and talk about rugby because I love yeah, it when are. you get passionate and I get offensive. I will hopefully see you soon, matey, and good luck with everything. Yeah. Take care. All right, gents. Cheers. Take care. See ya. No worries. Bye-bye. Bye. And if you want to get in touch with us and ask us anything, then please contact us via rugbyjubbly at dltentertainment.com or on Twitter, it's at jubblyrugby and Instagram is at rugbyjubblypodcast. So Dan had children too late and that's why he's had to go. So I'm finishing off uh, today's podcast Next week we're going to be. Oh, we need predictions for England, Italy. I reckon, I reckon England will beat Italy by about twenty points. We'll still be vaguely disappointed. Hopefully, there'll be Harry Randall and a dog woo playing. Scotland, I think, might. This is a, seems like a new feel for Scotland. I think they're going to beat Wales by ten points at Murrayfield, and Ireland are going to lose to France at home by fifteen points. Those are my predictions. Oh, and Saris are going to beat Doncaster Knights. Saracens will beat Doncaster Knights because they're bound to this week. Um, because uh, they're going to put it, they're finally going to put together a performance. Um, but thank you for joining us. Uh, going by Queeve's book, The Stranger Times, or listen to some of the audiobook versions of his writings because there's quite a well known comedian voicing one of them, one of the stories. I'll let you know who it is. It's, it's me. You're going to think it's Dan. It's Hal Cruttenden. I'm voicing one of the stories of one of his audiobooks, um, a short story. Anyway, see you next week. Uh, let's hope the rugby gets better because it can't get worse than this weekend. Goodbye. <laughs>